The following episode contains major spoilers for a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition publication. Listener discretion is advised. Hi and welcome to another episode of Legend Lore. The podcast series where two dungeon masters flip through one Dungeons & Dragons book at a time, giving their insights on the pros and cons of the publication in question. I'm Adam, and with me is Dan, and we're going over our thoughts on the Wizards of the Coast product, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Ricky's Guide to Spoopy Town. Jesus. <laughs> Alright, before we get into this, I want to address, sure. I want to address the, the elephant in the room, okay? And that is the fact that you hate that this book got published. Uh-huh. Talk about that for a minute so that we can stop focusing on what it isn't and focus on what it is. Um, I really dislike Wizards' um, seemingly weird undead boner for everything Ravenloft. Um, keep in mind, I haven't read the book and I've been saying willfully ignorant of uh, any spoilers or content yeah, level too. stuff. So yeah. I don't know what's in this book. Yeah, I know that it is Van Richten, which, okay... And it's Ravenloft. And it's coming on the tales of the revamped, which, although a good pun, uh, good pun is fucking why, of Curse of Strahd. And I get that Curse of Strahd is their highest selling thing, but like to keep pointing at it just feels shitty, shifty, and lazy. All right, I'm going to counter you on this, all right? So Curse of Strahd came out, and they knew it was going to be a tentpole, and, and it was. And it's huge, and my god, it's the thing that everyone plays. There are dozens of actual plays for Curse of Strahd. Most of them never end. Yeah. Um, and everyone has the same general experience fighting Strahd himself. Yeah. But every campaign is very different. Yeah. And that's that Strahd is underwhelming. That is the number one complaint about that. Yes. Um, and then they sat on it and they gave us Tomb of Annihilation and Water Deeps and, and... Which was great. Yeah. And then I think what happened was they decided they were going to release a campaign setting which is Ravenloft, the campaign setting. Yeah. And they gave it a Van Richten's Guide to, because we're getting all the so-and-so's guide to. Right? And Van Richten's the... Van the Helsing. Ex- the Van Helsing equivalent. He's the expert on Strahd. Sure. So they knew that was going to happen. They wanted to drum up a little bit of excitement about it. And they had Christmas coming up. So they gave us a revamped box set. Right? They just released a special edition of it. That doesn't seem like a sellout thing to me. They did it with Tyranny of Dragons, too, where they released it as a double... Well, my, my one of my big complaints with this is not just that they're doing this, but that there is so much lore in the Forgotten Realms that they haven't even touched on. There's Thay. There's um, a revamp of the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, which is a hot pile of shit now, right? Like, I, to me, they wanted to set up the campaign setting for Ravenloft. Why? Like, I get it. It's the most popular product. But you get enough information in Curse of Strahd to run that. Why do you need to come? So, as you can tell, I'm coming at this from a prove me wrong um, standpoint. I, I will tell you what this is, okay? And then I'll and then I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what it isn't. Okay. All right. What this is not is a Curse of Strahd 2.0. This isn't even the all-encompassing Curse of Strahd and Barovia fit nicely in this. This is its own campaign setting. Okay. This has very little to do with Strahd himself, despite the fact that he's on the damn cover. But it's Ravenloft. 
to have Ravenloft, you need to have Curse. You need to have Strahd. Ravenloft was a campaign setting, and Strahd and Barovia and Castle Ravenloft existed in it way back when. Yeah, Barovia is like a district of Ravenloft. Yeah. Yes. Now I don't know how they've done it in Fifth Edition. We haven't cracked the book open, but what Curse of Strahd told us was that Barovia is its own thing, a demiplane off of the Shadowfell. So it has nothing to do with Ravenloft, but they kept the name Castle Ravenloft because it's named after Barovia's and Castle Ravenloft are named after its mother and father. So then they gave us this. So this is a new campaign setting, I believe. But this is horror focused. We haven't had a whole lot of horror focus. That's true. We've had the Descent into Avernus, which was more Mad Max than anything else. Yeah. Right. And we have kind of a weird cosmic horror at the end of uh, Icewind Dale. And what other than that, Tomb of Annihilation gave us the Tomb of Horrors, kind of, at the end of it. Yeah. But there hasn't been a whole lot of horror since Curse of Strahd. So I think it's time for us to dig into this. I think thematically, it doesn't bother me that this came out. But you're right. I wish that they would fucking commit to Faerun. Yeah, right? Like, I, but there's so much rich lore. And here they are going to other planes to get their campaign settings. Well, frankly, I want to see proper lower planes and... Upper Plains, I want to see the Feywild, I want to see the Elemental Plains. Yeah. There's a lot for them to cover. The fact that they went to Ravenloft instead of Dark Sun or Spelljammer or any of that, it all feels very strange to me. Okay. So, but let's set all of that aside and yes. let's focus on this publication itself, okay? I want to grab our dice, I want to roll initiative, and I want to hear, what do you hope to see in this book? I got a five. I got a 14. Uh, what I hope to see in this book, I want some scary shit. Like I want some actual stuff I could pull and uh, into a scary game. Tips on how to run scary games. Um, one of the scariest things I found in Curse of Strahd was the haunted doll, right? Uh, forget what its name is. Piddlewick or, Piddlewick or something like that. Like it's, it's the Chucky equivalent. But I want shit like that in this that I could pull out and have a... Good old-fashioned horror setting. I gotta say, I think the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, what I want to see in this, is not the not the gothic horror. I want other kinds of horror. I know we're going to get gothic horror. Yes. I yeah. know that. And I'm not opposed to having it. I just want to see the other kinds of horror. Give me body horror. Give me cosmic horror. Give me campy horror a couple yeah. of times. I want... Then your piddlewicks. <laughs> yeah, I want... Everything from mad scientists to werewolves to aliens. Like, give me the whole gamut. What I would like to see them uh, flesh out, uh, which is funny because it's the Shadowfell. But what I would like to see them flesh out um, more than anything else in this book is maybe the Lords of Shadow or the Lords of whatever they're called. Um, these Lords of Dread. Or Lords of Dread or something like that, right? Like these, these um, you see it with the... Uh, Hexblade Warlock, how they have this Shadowfell made blade from the Lord. Like that, I want that in this book fleshed out. I want more details about the Shadowfell because so far, the only t uh, taste we have is a little bit in the DMG and Curse of Strahd, which shows us a demi-plane of the Shadowfell. I think that this is going to be a weird demi-plane of the Shadowfell. I think this is going to be a campaign setting that's not quite off of of Forgotten Realms. Is going to be Forgotten Realms adjacent. Okay. This, I think, is going to sit in a weird place. So, the last thing that I, I really want to get out of this is um, the idea of what it's like to be a hero in these settings. You're a vampire hunter, you're a monster slayer, whatever it is. 
What does that look like? How is that different than being an ogre slayer? Okay. And it should feel different. Van Richten is on the title. Give me Van Richten. Yes. Okay. So what are you concerned about? That this is going to be purely Curse of Strahd 2.0. Like, um, let's go over the town of Valakai again. Let's go over the um, everything is gothic horror again, right? I, I Candle Keep so underwhelmed me with its uh, lack of lore. I don't want them to reiterate things that you find a Curse of Strahd. Look, I'm going to be exactly the same with you, except, I mean, Candle Keep let me down. It was poorly organized. It was the book. That really kind of shook my confidence. Which pisses me off because it's about Candlekeep and it's all about books. So you think the book would be have more thought to it. Yeah, as much as I do want this to be almost... Um, I, we said a lot, we said the word modular a lot in the mm-hmm. last couple of Legend Lores. I want stuff that I can pull out and plug and play in, in any different setting. Um, I don't want it... I don't want it to be so hard and fast set in this world. I would like to see the bits and pieces... That are able to pull it out. If we are going to deal with a whole lot of different domains of dread, which I know just from this in the first place, from picking up this book, have them all be different. Yeah, okay. Right? Do not just have the same flavor over and over and over. But this one's a girl, and this one's a Goliath, and this one's a right. I'm also hoping this doesn't give us weird limitations like Theros did with like no dwarves. Yeah, okay. Right? Like I, I want to see a- expansion. And opportunity, not limitations. Okay. So, Dan, let's roll initiative. And we're going to go through this book page by page and see what we got. I got a nine. I got an 18. Okay, so I'm starting with the cover art. So, first and foremost, I got the regular cover. Yep. That's not the special edition. No, it's Strahd and there are a couple of heroes with a bunch of flappy birds (laughs) um so there are legitimate ravens all over the front of this which is fine uh the tagline unleash the horrors of ravenloft in this campaign source book for the world's greatest role-playing game campaign source book this is eberron ravnica theros wild mount there's not an adventure here there are plot hooks well they all have mini adventures there may be a small adventure in here but that's fine on the back what are we getting into face your fears terror stalks the nightmare realm of ravenloft to arm a new generation against the creatures of the night, monster scholar Rudolf Van Richten. I wish they'd picked a different name other than Rudolf. It just always sounds... Campy. Christmassy? Yeah, I, I don't like it. Uh, has compiled his correspondence and case files into the Tome of Eerie Tales and Chilling Truths. Uh, so discover the mysteries of Ravenloft, mist-shrouded lands where infamous dark lords lurk among ageless vampires, zombie hordes, cosmic terrors, and worse. Okay. Then make your choice. Will you create your own Domains of Dread, Settings, or host endless terrifying adventures okay or will you join the ranks of haunted heroes who embrace macabre lineages dual-edged dark gifts haunted subclasses and other forbidden powers the mists of ravenloft the mists of ravenloft are rising overcome your dread and for or forever be its prisoner okay so grimdark yep um and uh the cover page on the inside is uh, of a, looks like a Ouija board planchette. Yeah, okay. Which, uh, with raven skulls on it, which I like. Um, I also liked the uh, alternative cover as well. I thought it was neat. I I do really wish that they would have some sort of consistency to their alternative covers. And I like the ones that they had for the Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, I, I don't like these other weird ones as much. I think that that art is better than the art on the regular 
on the regular book, frankly. But I want there to be consistency. Yeah. So on the inside, uh, just for the credits, this book was led by F. Wesley Schneider, who I don't recognize. Nope. Um, uh, but, I mean, there are some names in here that we do, like Jeremy Crawford and um, James Wyatt in terms of writers and contributors. Um, the disclaimer, which we got to cover of every course. single time. Yep. By the sole act of opening this book, we're doomed. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, by the sole act of opening this book, you acknowledge your complicity in the domain-spanning conspiracy that denied me, Azalan or Azalan Rex, Wizard King of Darkon. Darkon? D-A-R-K-O-N. How would Darkon. You that? Darkon. Okay. Uh, Wizard King of Darkon. My rightful place as both author of and cover model for what would have been, what could have been so much more than this doubtful collection of lies and slanders. Fortunately, as I've recently found my immortality unburdened by the trivialities of rule, I have endless opportunity to pursue thorough uh, vengeances, God, this guy's wordy, for even the pettiest affronts. Please prepare for my coming. I have a feeling Terry yells that one a couple times a week. Yikes. Um, I expect to be quartered. Terry also yells that a couple times a week. Uh, In the utmost comfort. While we personalize your redefinition of the word horror. Cool. Super, super wordy, but um, someone's upset. I don't know who this Azalyn Rex is. Sure. Azalyn Rex. Anyways, contents. um, There's going to be some uh, character creation stuff. uh, Rules for creating your own domain of dread, which I like. Um, Then there's some uh, domains of Ravenloft, which it does appear that Barovia is a domain. So a sub plane of the subplane of Ravenloft. I don't know if Ravenloft is a part of the Shadowfell and this is a demiplane off of it, or if Ravenloft is a demiplane off of the Shadowfell, or if like I'm, I mean I'm curious to see the lion's share of this book, 120 pages of it are about the domains. How long is the actual book? Uh 256. So, so just half about the, half yeah. the book. Right. Um then so about a whole bunch of domains, then we have uh, running horror adventures and tips and tricks. So yay, we get those. And then Monsters of Ravenloft, which we get roughly 40, 30 pages of monsters. So that's monsters the same for all of the other, um, all of the other campaign setting. Yep. Is there an appendices? Yes, there is. And it's called a spirit board. I have no idea what that means. I'm assuming it has to do with that planchette that's on probably. the... It's it's like probably. It's like a Ouija, Ouija board. board yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, one question. <clears throat> Ouija, Ouija. Ouija. But it's an A at the end. So, open your mind to other cultures and languages. Ouch. So the first page after that is called Welcome to Ravenloft. And the main character, the woman who is the, uh, looks like is the regular main character in this. Her name, it says in the caption here, is Ez Davenir. Davenir? Okay. Davenir. Um, who's also on the cover of, of this one as well as Van Richten. Right? So she's getting stalked by what looks like a she's also like the main cover model of the special edition cover as well yeah yeah so she's getting stalked here in some art by uh what looks like strahd in an astral form and it's got a section which essentially introduces you to what ravenloft is in the hidden corners of the shadowfell in the hidden corners of the shadowfell are nightmare domains that hunger for the brave and the innocent this looks like this some call this collection of eerie realms the land of the mists but monster hunters know it as ravenloft Okay, so Ravenloft is a umbrella term, term for, for a series of strange, spooky places. 
Yeah. So the Shadowfell itself will have its own weird rules, and these will be the little bits and pieces of that have been carved out, kind of I guess by like little barons and dukes that have. Sure. Okay, that gives me kind of a better idea of what we're in for here. So I, I like that. Um, and then it says using the book. It gives you a breakdown of, of the five chapters. Then it says horror in your game with sections for foundations for fears, genres of horrors, creating atmosphere, thrills you control and focus on fun. But we only get a paragraph on each. Yep. It's a little light. Um, I know that this is not supposed to be a Dungeon Master's Guide, but I always want more from that. We get a couple of letters that are written. Uh, one to Dr. Van Richten. Ooh, he's a doctor. Ooh. Um, and then another one to Uncle Rudolph. I mean, same guy. Same guy, but from different different people. One of okay. them is uh, from students, it looks like. Um, but then the Seven Secrets of Ravenloft. Ravenloft is not a world. That's secret number one. The lands and characters of Ravenloft don't share a planet. Rather, the Domains of Dread consist of innumerable demiplanes hidden amid the Plane of Shadow. I hate that. Do you? Innumerable? The word innumerable. Like, just fucking number it. <laughs> like, give us a finite amount. I don't like... Well, they do that with the Abyss. And I'm... that's my problem, right? Like, they say on level 74 of the Abyss, there's this thing, but they're innumerable. Well, you just fucking numbered it. Yeah, but you know why, right? They explain that in in um, the Forgotten Realms source books in 3.5. Is the number that they are is the number with which they're discovered by people on the material plane. Oh, uh, okay. So that's why you have the numbers to them, but there's an infinite number of them. Yeah, okay. Um, so each one of these are considered almost island realms. That's the phrase they use, island realms. Um, the dark powers control all is number two. Three, domains imprison dark lords. Okay, so each of these little island realms is going to have their own dark lord? Yeah, these are villainous beings trapped and tormented by the dark powers. Okay, so we have the dark lords and the dark powers. So I think, yeah, Dark Lords is one word. And the Dark Powers are the are the strange shadowy creatures, the powers that be that oversee the Shadowfell. We knew this before. And the name of the character who wrote the disclaimer was Darkon. No. No, he's the Wizard King of Darkon. Yes, which is one of the domains. Okay, so uh, we could say this book will be dark, I assume? Apparently. Okay. Um, the mists encompass all. Nowhere is safe. Heroes confront horror and only fear is certain. And then we get kind of a breakdown, the Land of Mists. You get a section called Nightmare Logic, um, including a thing called the Bagman. In Ravenloft, tales of the treasure-haunting Bagman come to terrifying life. Um, there's a section of this book, gives characters nightmares. There's a content warning. Um, with this in mind, be aware that this book contains suggestions for adventures meant to be horrifying. Chapter 2 explores how to choose the horror themes that are right for your game, but read on at your discretion. So they have a kind of a actual things are going to get spooky the dark powers are listed as well as uh well as the secret of the dark powers there are some say the names of the dark powers or like does it define who the dark powers are unfathomable hidden forces manipulate life death and the reality within ravenloft these are mysterious deathless beings they're the architects of the domains of dread and have secreted these pockets of terror deep within the plane of shadows these dark powers watch and influence events within their domains so no, it does not define them. It just says there is a there's a cabal of watchful overlords. They may not even be on the same team. They could just be superpower. Yeah, okay. Um, there are some rules about the domains. They're finite. They're isolated. Each one holds a dark lord. They're cages, and they are themed. Okay. And then there's a section about the dark lords. Dark lords are evil. 
They are prisoners. They are tormented. They influence their domains from inside. So it seems like there's a weird power struggle. Okay. Um, they vary in threat. They're active. They don't realize they're Dark Lords. Oh, okay. And they're immortal. So, uh, like, Strahd would be a Dark Lord then? Yeah. Okay. Adventurers, as well, there's a section for them. Mist Wanderers, Roused Locals. There's some more art and stuff. And that that's the end of this section. Um, it kind of gives you a couple of of ideas of who would be in these lands and moving about within them. Um, what's interesting is I haven't seen anything that jumps out at me yet. And I like we are skimming this, right? What's interesting to me is that there's no real way in. No, no. I mean, even with Curse of Strahd, you just kind of end up there, right? You find a... Um, you find a thin veil that you step through. But again, the Shadowfell is an echo plane. So it is so close to the material plane that stepping into it can happen accidentally. You could, it's, I think it says in Crystal Strahd, you could accidentally step into a uh, shadowed area and end up in the one-way direction into the Shadowfell. Well, they've got a couple of ways into Barovia. Yeah. In Curse of Strahd, but they also have a, a good way in in uh, Candlekeep as well, right? One of the adventures pointed at the Shadowfell. Okay, so moving on here, we've got the uh, character creation chapter one uh, thing. Nice big piece of art of a couple people fighting a werewolf. Um, now, this is going to give us some options for our heroes, which they are calling Haunted Heroes, which encourages you and your group to safely explore the thrill of all manner of ghost stories, mysteries, and other tales of terror. Sure. Okay. Um, it's, uh, gives you a little, br- a list here to, uh, invites you to be willing to play a scary game as well as how to prepare yourself to be scared. Um, it's, looks like there's a lot of, um, tips here on how to play the game as a player, um, and managing your fears and how to role play a character who is scared. Well, this first section is player options, right? Right. So, uh, know your fears, the evil inside of your character, and the habits of horror heroes. Sure. So, it's going to give you some tropes that you can lean on, uh, including uh, limit- limiting comedy, which doesn't say el- eliminate, just to limit. Uh, consent is a priority. Yep. Knowing what's too far, adding your own terror, and enjoying the struggle. So, um Cool. Uh, next, we have the player options. We have lineages, which is uh, creating your characters. There's going to be some general options here before we get into it. The first of our options is the Dampir, which is like a half vampire. Um, you get some uh, random tables to choose from, including your hunger and your origin. Cool. Okay. Uh, giving you some options like uh, like you get cerebral spinal fluid as an option for what you hunger for. Cool. Yeah. Um, is one of them love? No. Good. Yeah. Um, it gives you some examples of Dampiers in the Domains of Dread, um, as well as your traits. Um, which, I mean, looks like there's a lot of option here. Dampiers are kind of like a trait. Sorry, a, uh, um, umbrella, um, racial option. Like, there's no will they replace? Size. Will they replace your sub-race? Yes. Yes, they do. They do replace your race. They have a thing here called Ancestral Legacy, where uh, if you replace a race with this lineage, you keep the following elements of that race. Okay? And it gives you a list of the things you would keep. Sure. Okay. Okay? Um, Also gives you uh, a couple special features like Spider Climb and a Vampiric Bite. Anyways, moving on. Next, we have the Hexblood, which is a a half-hag. 
Cool. Cool. Yeah, I um, like that. I mean, how they're they're luring men into their huts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same with the Dampier. You're getting origins. You're getting sample hex bloods, and you're getting the breakdown of it, including an ancestral legacy. Sure. So this again is a template you could put on. Um, next, you get a reborn, which uh, looks to be like a half ghost, half undead. Weird. Maybe it's another option for if, a, one, if one of your parents is possessed during conception, or something like that, or a reven. Like it's another option than a revenant. Okay. Right. Um. Again, it gives you. Uh. No, it would not be during conception because you get memories that you have lost, so you are oh. brought back from a previous life. Oh, okay. Okay. So it is another version of a revenant for sure. Gives you options. Gives you gives you origins and gives you the traits. That you would get as a uh, as a reborn. Next in the character creation, you get something called Dark Gifts, which is where the dark powers grant you with boons, and that's what these are. Uh, characters who have a dark gift um, might gain one in their uh, adventures. So, as a DM, you're pulling on these to give your players to add some story elements. This is a lot like the Theros boons that were handed out as well, right? Very similar. Okay. I think these are just more. Evil, shadowy, horror. Cool. Thing. All right. Um, so these, you, these are for the edge lords. These are for the edge lords, and there's a lot of them. All the tiefling rogues, and and they come with very mechanical bonuses to them. Okay, right. That's cool. But they also come with uh, quirks or effects or other sure. role playing things you can lean on, and there are tons. Holy crap! Finally, we got some subclass options. First, we get a bard college of spirits. Cool. Okay. Now, we're not going to break this down. That's why we have class episodes. Yeah. Moving on. We have the Undead Warlock. Didn't we already have an Undying Warlock? We have an Undying Warlock. And now we have an Undead Warlock. The fuck is the difference? We will break it down in the Warlock episode. Sure. All right. We've got some uh, new backgrounds now. We have the Inheritor, the Mist Wanderer, the Spirit Medium, the Trauma Survivor, and the Traveler. Inheritor is a reprint. I think it might be from Acquisitions Incorporated. Okay, well, that's that's cool enough. I, I can't remember what it's from, but Inheritor specifically is. We have so many others from, especially um, Out of the Abyss, that are like refugees and traumatized people and whatnot. So I wonder how that's going to stack up. We'll do an episode on backgrounds. We'll look deeper into this. Yeah, for one. sure. Um, this also gives you, playing a horror character, you get some additional horror personality traits that you could choose from. Which includes, of course, ideals, bonds, and flaws. Sure. Um, including the Haunted One, which we saw in Curse of Strahd. So we got a reprint of that for a fully fleshed out background. Fair enough. Um, Investigator, which I believe is new. I couldn't tell you. I think so. But honestly, I don't want to be a investigative investigator. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's a little on the nose, but sure, why not? And then to wrap up the chapter, we have a long list uh, D100 chart of fun little horror-themed trinkets. Here, give me give me one. Hold on, I'm going to roll a D20, just so we can pick one at random. A one. The first one on the list, a picture you drew as a child of your imaginary friend. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, and I'll, I'll roll one here. An eight, uh, a pocket watch that runs backward for an hour every midnight. Cool. Okay. So now we're on to chapter two. All right. So now we have creating the domains of dread. I'm going to go through this quickly. It gives you kind of a breakdown of how to create a dark lord, including sinister reflections, what to reflect, exaggerated reflections, and opposite reflections. 
These are things that you oppose your party with. Things like memories, desires, mistakes, evil deeds that have shaped the, the land and whatnot. So you're encouraged to create your Dark Lord based on the party. Also, it talks about the past life of the Dark Lord. They're not mindless killing machines. They're full but monstrous individuals. So it asks you how to uh, how to kind of flesh out a background. This would actually be pretty decent for any character in general. Okay. Like... It asks, who was the family? How was the Dark Lord's family oppressed, oppressive, or both? Things like that. Cool. Yeah, interesting questions they have there. Uh, wicked personality. They talk about ideal, or no, one ideal, one bond, and a D10 table for flaws. Ooh, they're fatal flaws. Ooh. Corrupt beyond redemption. Developing a Dark Lord. Monstrous transformation. And then the birth of a Dark Lord. So it really gives you an idea of how to build a, your villain's history. I, I really would use this for... Outside of the of, of Ravenloft, right? Yeah, that's really good and yeah. helpful. I like that quite a bit. Then there's creating the domain, which is a Dark Lord Shadows. What? So it talks about evil acts, and then what does the act sound like from a distance or to someone in the next room? Um, how is your Dark Lord breathing? Things like that. Um, their endless torment, including endless cycles. Their last gasp, unpleasant hope. <laughs> things like that. Like it's it's getting dark. An overall domain overview, and then cultural specifics. Also sounds like that might be helpful as well. Just building your own, like, civilization. Yeah, yeah, cool. What is scarce, and how do inhabitants compensate for this scarcity? Things like that. Like, that's a good question to ask. There's some good DM shit in here. Um, a, small, a very small section on monsters. Misty Borders, and then different adventurers. Nope. Is the Misty Borders the... In, in the, the edges of the realm and how to rule them. What shapes, sounds, and smells appear within the mists? Do the mists behave in some predictable way? What stories do the domain's people ascribe to the mists? And how do they ascribe a personality to them? Things like that. So it sounds like each domain would have the mists acting differently around their borders. Okay. Um, then there's adventures, including a captive audience, supporting cast, interactions with the Dark Lord. Uh, this is building uh, adventures inside of the domain that you've just built. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, can the Dark Lord die permanently? Is one of the is the first question that's asked in the domain's downfall. So planning the end of your domain as well, like Curse of Strahd ends with you slaying Strahd and leaving Barovia. Yeah. Okay. Unleash your horror. This is just a picture of Dan that, taking his pants off. I was about to say that's not a command, Adam. You could keep it in your pants. Um, <laughs> Then there are, uh, there's a section here called Genres of Horror. Let's see what they have. Oh, they have D, 10, or H tables for each of these. Okay. There are body horror monsters. Some of them are in this book and some of them are in the Monster Manual, like the Medusa, the Flesh Golem, and the Doppelganger. There are body horror villains. There's a D10 table. Like, this is just a body horror section. Body oh, horror cool. torments, body horror settings, adventure sites, and plots. All of those are D8 tables. Oh, and they do, it's a similar thing over and over and over again. Cosmic horror. Oh, badass. They've got, they've got different cosmic horror monsters from this book and the monster manual. It looks like this book is going to combine with the monster manual only. Okay. Uh, so they're not going to pull from Volos or. They're not going to make you buy multiple books. They're going to keep it like this. Obviously, when you buy Mordenkainen's, there's going to be a lot of good shit in that. Volos as well. Yeah. And, uh, and I will tell you this right now. If you're looking for some weird aberrant shit, Eberron has some cool high-level yeah, aberrations. Yeah, yeah. So there's Cosmic Horror with a bunch of, of uh, tables. What's the next one? Dark Fantasy. Good does not always win. Folk Horror. 
folk horror? So is that going to be like folklore? Yeah, it looks like that image there is of like a cryptid. Of like, like, a, like a Black Peter goat almost. Um, folk horror explores fears of isolation, superstition, paranoia, and lost truths. Love it. Ghost stories is the next one. Gothic horror. And then there are sections, and they're not broken down quite as detailed, um, for disaster horror, which is literally natural disasters or supernatural events, things yep. like that. Um, occult detective stories. So call it Cthulhu. I'm interested. Uh, psychological horror, like what are your characters afraid of? And what might a character think everyone around them is lying to them about? Okay. And then slasher horror. Yeah. Who is, the, who is the monster or slasher? How do they kill? What made them infamous? Fucking yes. And that is a great chapter all by itself. I wish the whole book was just that shit. Honestly, I'm looking at things like, um, you had said earlier, hey, we want to get into a not on the mic Call of Cthulhu campaign at some point in time. Because, I mean, you, if you listen to the log, guys, you know we like Call of Cthulhu. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I want to play 5e. Why not both? <laughs> and now we can do both. Okay, I am excited. All right. And then chapter three kicks us off into the domains of Ravenloft. We're going to hand this back and forth. All right. So we're at the domains. Um, it's going to give us a breakdown of the nature of Ravenloft first and what is kind of the general this applies to all of them. Sure. Stuff. Like the fact that there are mists and dark lords. And yeah. Shit. It uh, gives you some uh, uh, effects of traveling and wandering throughout the mists. Good. I'm glad. Including some um, uh, idea of the mechanics of what a mist talisman is. And talismans are going to be incredibly important within everything in this book. Um, it gives you some uh, rules and insights into some magic and metaphysics of uh, the domains, including the rarity of magic, uh, whether or not that magic is corrupted, as well as uh, souls and how they interact with the domains. Um, and finally, how planar connect, how the domains are connected to interplanarly, which isn't a word, but how the domain interactions to the planes function. Okay. Okay. Um, and then it is going to describe how life in the d uh, domains go, including the culture and technology, the currency, the main languages, religions, times and dates, and travels and correspondences. It's, it's not listing the options. It's saying that this is stuff you should think about and give you a guide on how to handle that. Yeah, I mean, um, pretty much. It's just giving you ideas of things to think of if you were going to run within one of the uh, created domains that are going to come up here in just a second beauty okay okay um it's also going to uh once that is all done it's going to give you a little breakdown of the uh ezra the god of the mists which is a well, didn't uh, he play the flash no different ezra um this one is a good god of the shadow fell cool yeah didn't think such a thing existed well we got one um Next, we have the featured domains, which are going to involve settlements and sites, the Dark Lord, adventure ideas, and the domain focus, which is the type of uh, horror it is going to be. Okay. Um, it also has some rules on fighting the Dark Lord, fighting the Dark Lords, and characters from each domain. All right. Here, give me. I want to see the first. Sure. One. All right, so the first one listed here, I guess they go alphabetically because it's Barovia, uh, which is known as the Domain of the First Vampire. Of course, Strahd von Zerovic is your 
big bad. Um, and there are, and the genre is gothic horror, obviously. The hallmarks of it are the undead despot, the notorious haunted stronghold, and tragic resurrection. There's a section here for noteworthy features, which I think is going to be in all of it, uh, in all of these sections, settlements and sites, and of course it lists about five. Uh, there's a breakdown for Strahd himself, which is good, including the powers and dominion and his specific torment, as well as a personality trait, ideal bond, and flaw in a role-playing Strahd section. Oh, you mean the thing that they didn't really give us in Curse of Strahd? I, honestly, I've never cracked that book open. There's something like it. To be honest, there is. It's just, it's weak. So I would balance the two of them against each other to see what you need to do. Then there's Adventures in Barovia with a D8 table. Um, and then Incarnations of Tatiana. Which is uh, Strahd's lady and, love. And it breaks down who is Tatiana is one of the sections. Cool. Um, in, and then things that you do, like the connection to Strahd, what, uh, when you would avoid Strahd and how to hunt Strahd, um, and then things beyond Barovia as well. There's a lot of fun, interesting stuff to go through here. Um, this feels like it would lay out... I want to read this before I crack open... Um, Curse, Curse of Strahd. Strahd. I'd just recommend to get, it. Just to get kind of the flavor of it. The next one is called Bluetspur. The Domain of Alien Memories. The, you blew it you blew it into yourself? The Dark Lord is the god brain of Bluetspur. Okay. The genre is cosmic horror, and the hallmarks are alien abductions, otherworldly landscapes, untrustworthy memories, monstrous experimentation. I'm so happy. Yep, and again, we're gonna get noteworthy features, settlements and sites. The God Brain and all of his stuff, including Overmind. I like Mount Macabre, but it's M-A-K-A-B, not like you would normally spell Macabre. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there are adventures in here. What to do when you return here. Different alien artifacts. There's a D6 table for suppressed memories. Adventures out of time. The one after that is called Borka, the domain of desire and deceit. Huh. The Dark Lords are Ivana Boritzi and Ivan Deliznia. Is this a pirate thing? I don't know. The genre is gothic horror and psychological horror. And the hallmarks are political intrigue, poison, and revenge. Okay. We get some noteworthy features. We get some noteworthy features as well as uh, a similar breakdown to the others. But you get no more. But you get a map. With all of the different estates of a bunch of different noble families. You get a breakdown of Ivana, her d powers and dominion, as well as her torment and how to play her. As well as Ivan Delisnia, who is a different family. And he is in his favorite clockwork pram in the art. It looks like he is barely held alive. He looks like an old husk of a human being in a four-legged walking crab cradle. Oh, it's so creepy. There's adventures in Borga, how to close the border, um, something about a toy maker. There are all these different nobles that you can get into. If it's political intrigue, there would have to be. Ready accomplices, ennoble bonds, lethal leverage, coup de gras. I'm on board, man. That's 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 metal. I look at that if I just want to have like a arc of my story in my Faerun world that is political intrigue and horror based. You could just use that. The Carnival is the next one. This is the Wandering Domain of Wonders. The Dark Lord is Nepenthe. Body horror and dark fantasy are the genres. Entertainment is the first hallmark, followed by Fey Bargains, Misfits, and Wandering Exiles. Juggalos. The settlements and sites are 
are the big top side shows, and there's a list of them, including a Ware Hare, a Fire Eater, the Organ Grinder. Nice. I bet that's as dark as I want it to be. Uh, sorry, the Organ Grinder is the somber clown. Grinds an, or- an ornate barrel organ. I wonder if you're going to be in this. Uh, the Hall of Horrors, the Litwick Market. You end up with Isolde and Nepenthe. Isolde looks like uh, she was a holy warrior, uh, was a holy warrior, and Nepenthe is the Holy Avenger. Huh. Which is her sword. Wait, wait, wait. The Holy Avengers here? Yeah. So, we get a bunch more information about the carnival, and uh, and different adventures and stuff that you can play in this. There's a lot of really cool lore in these. Next is the Domain on the Brink of Destruction. That's right, we're in Darkon. Sure. The Dark Plane of Darkon with the Dark Lords. Yeah, hit this hammer again. Yeah, so there is no Dark Lord in the Darkon, which is weird. Um, It's genre is Dark Fantasy and Disaster Horror. Hallmarks are a fractured realm, magical ruins, and ongoing supernatural catastrophe. Okay? That's also how I describe your... Your bed. Uh, rude. Um, so what it looks like, you got some noteworthy features here, including the King of Darkon, who has vanished, who is this Azalin Rex. Oh, he's the guy that fucked off at the disclaimer, and he's going to come back. I'm coming back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. okay. Um, there's Castle Avernus. Cool. Which, sure. Um, a bunch of other settlements and sites. Basically, this looks like a realm... That looks suspiciously a lot like the Forgotten Realms, but it is covered in mist. All right. Okay. Um, you have the different inheritors of Darkon, which are several of the people who are vying for power of this lawless land. Um, and then a little blurb on who Azalan, Azalan Rex is, who is an arrogant wizard tyrant who murdered his brother, executed his son, and embroiled his nation in unending war. Yeah, sounds like a stand-up guy. Yeah, nice guy. Um, and he's buddies with Strahd, except he's not. Anyways, Adventures in Darkon. What? In Barovia. As, so this guy's traveling to different realms. Um, Aslan is uh, formed a truce with Strahd von Zerovich. And uh, when Aslan forsook Castle Ravenloft and re-entered the mists, his own domain, Darkon, took shape around him. Um, so he, he left... Uh, Strahd to start his own realm. Well, again, I don't think they started on purpose, right? They don't know they're Dark Lords. I guess that's true, yeah. So he would have been captured by the Dark Powers, and then they built a domain around him, made him a Dark Lord, and then he freaking escaped. Cool. Uh, Next you have the Doom Domain, which is basically the secret of Darkon's doom. Uh, Castle Avernus is apparently frozen in the moment of its destruction. Cool. So this place is like a place where time has stopped. Which is really cool. And it will, you have a D6 table where you could decide what the final fate of the realm, the domain is during your little campaign. So cool. That's pretty cool. Next is Dementalio, which is the domain of decadent delusion. Lots of Ds. Um, The dark. This is where Terry's from. Yeah. Uh, The Dark Lord is Sidra de Honor. Um, uh, which is, uh, the genres are dark fantasy and psychological horror. And the hallmarks of this one are going to be decadent aristocracy, social decay, illusions, masquerades, and imposter syndrome. So it's actually Terry's. So it's actually yeah. where Terry's from. Cool. And we don't just mean Britain, although, you know, it's close. 
Um, Dementalio looks like it is just a city. It is a metropolis um, that uh, you basically run through here. You, It's all about t- going to the Grand Masquerade and uh, the endless party that is there. Um, lots of adventure options here. Another D6 trait as well as uh, tips on how to play Sidra Donair, who is the Duchess of this realm. There are rules to the Grand Masquerade, including invitations and costumes, social niceties, dancing rules, as well as random complications within the Grand Masquerade, which is a D6 chart. Cool. Um, Should you become unmasked, shit goes down. All right. All right. Next is Falcon, uh, Falcovnia, which is the domain besieged by the dead. This is a disaster horror realm whose dark lord is Vladeska Drakov. All right. Okay. Hallmarks are dwindling resources, survival horror, fickle hero worship, impending disaster, suspicion, and totali- uh, totalitarianism and zombies. Nice. I like all this. This is your Walking Dead. This is your uh, gothic Walking Dead, I yeah. would suspect. Um it gives you tips on how to escape zombie hordes and rules on running zombie hordes. Nice. Including, um, it also has some settlements and sites like everything else. Nice, beautiful map. Rules on running Vladeska Drakov, who is known as the Crimson Falcon. Uh, next, you have a D10 chart of uh, Falkovnia Falc- uh, adventures, which all look, for the most part, Getting away from zombies, skeletons, ghouls, and whites. Um, it's very martial as well as there is apparently a siege, which would make sense with zombies. You have yep. a siege of a zombie horde, including a, a 2D6 chart of zombie siege encounters. Okay. Um, it gives you a D4 on zombie siege climaxes and how to wrap up uh, wrap up a zombie climax. Moving on is Harakir. You just need a Kleenex, right? Um, several. Uh, I hear Bounty would help. Um, finally, uh, sorry. Next is Harakir, which is the domain of the ancient dead. This is going to be your uh, desert. Mummies? Mummies, yeah. Nice. Um, your Dark Lord is Anktapot. It is a dark fantasy. The hallmarks are ancient tombs, desert perils, lost gods, and mummies. I love that. That's so much fun. Yep. Um, I have a soft spot for mummy shit. There is a, a pyramid, a labyrinth. Um, there is the rules of running Anka Tapot, who is a mummy lord with some additional flavor thrown in there. There's actually a picture of him here, and holy shit, that guy's terrifying. Yeah, he needs some, uh, yeah, dude needs to eat. He needs some lotion. Yep. Um, there are tips for role-playing him, and then a list of adventures, including a list of gods of Harakir, which is uh, the people of this realm used to worship these gods of the Egyptian pantheon. Nice. You know, those are options in the back of the player handbook. Yeah. So you have Anu, Ese, Neb, Oru, Usa, Sek, and Sut. Or Sute, I guess. Um, and it gives you, it looks like the mission here is going to be to hunt for the Dark Lord's soul. Nice. Yeah. After that, we have the domain called Haslam. Wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. I'm I'm backtracking. I got I got to find out. What is that guy's name? Uh Azalin Rex. Azalin Rex. Azalin? Azalin. Azalin. You keep saying Aslan and I'm like is he a talking lion? No. So and then I got I got Haslan here. Okay. Azalin Rex. All right. Haslan is a domain doomed by magic. Its dark lord is Haslik. The genres are dark fantasy and disaster horror. The hallmarks are amoral spellcasters, magic ravaged environment, magical experiments, and wild magic. I guess you would get some living spells in here. There's a settlement composed of a collection of laboratories. There's a breakdown for a large town, a mysterious region of persistent knee-high ground fog. Hmm. Anyone who steps into the fog falls as though into a ravine. <laughs> Few who falls as though into a ravine. That's what it says. Do you just fall into a ravine? <laughs> Few who tumble in reemerge. So yes, you fall into a ravine. Check. I don't think it's actually a ravine. I think you can probably just see, like, at the, like the ground, and the fog swallows you. Okay, cool. It's like uh, the labyrinth, kinda. And then, of course, there's a palace for him as well. Um, there's disaster sites, including the fleshless forest and mound of the worm. Both of those sound really gross. Uh, there's a breakdown, of course, for Hazlick himself. What's interesting here is that I've noticed that we don't get a stat block for any one of these Dark Lords. No, a lot of them look like they have a... It's run as this, except with these funny... Yeah, like, his additions. statistics echo those of an Archmage, but he favors using an array of magic items rather than his own spells. And then it kind of breaks down what that means from there. I don't hate that. I don't hate that either. I saw a lot of hate on on that idea in Reddit, like on, okay. on the subreddits, where people really wanted to get these stat block breakdowns for these Dark Lords. If you're meant to fight them, then fight them, is their point. And I get that, but we have stat blocks already. You are not, you are not given an adventure path. You are not even given a breakdown. You're given a general domain map, but you don't know what the palace layout looks like. So there's a lot of do-it-yourself in here, and I don't mind doing that. I think they did that for a couple of reasons. One, you could pull it out and put it in your campaign however you want. They kind of leave that open, right? Yep. But two, um, our constant complaint about dragons is that they don't have, like, the supplemental features, right? You just get the base dragon. This is how you get over that. This is how you make your dragons unique. It's the same level thing. It's a dragon, but it has these additional traits and yeah, because all of the named dragons we see in any adventure are not just the base dragon that's presented in the yeah. monster manual so this is the same idea of an archmage is this but this archmage has yeah. these special things so i i actually like that dude also saves on uh print space because now i'm not you know having to read about it here again when i have the monster manual i also like the fact that there appears to be a purple worm that isn't purple but white and it's called the worm grave drinker the next one is called Ikath, which is a domain trapped in a dream. Okay. The Dark Lord is Tsing Cheng. This is body horror and cosmic horror. Ooh. Endlessly changing labyrinth. Deadly Zhang Shi, an inescapable dream world. I don't know what Zhang Chi means. Uh, is this going to be your uh, Asian feel, I'm assuming, just by the names? But, like, it, it's just a uh, evil uh, dream realm? If I remember correctly, Zhang Shi or some sort of uh, Asian undead. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so I guess that's... They're kind of like zombies? Maybe. I, I, I don't know enough about that. Okay. So. Um, we've got 
mansions, tower, a palace of bones, the gemstone garden. Uh, Tian Chiang seems to be a woman, very obviously from the name, but also the artwork, very uh, Asian influence as well. Um, when the inhabitants of Ikath fall asleep, they enter an alternate version of the city they call home, a city dreamed into being by the domain's dark lord. Huh. That kind of feels, we don't really have a map for this one either. This really does kind of feel like um, Silent Hill with the two oh, versions. Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah. Right? The Dream of a Cath is a section here as well. Um, and there's all sorts of different... Oh, she's got daughters. She's got four daughters. One of them is made of living fog. Cool. So this is like literal nightmarish dreamscape level things. Uh, the next one is Kalakari, the domain of betrayal and revenge. A lot of these seem to have been like vengeance-fueled. F- well, I, look, that's what you're going to get when you end up in one of these domains. When I guess that's true, you get yeah. trapped in the Shadowfell, you're not there because you're full of party times and blowjobs. I mean, have you seen Strahd's place? The Dark Lord here is Ramya Vasavadan. The, the genres are gothic horror and dark fantasy. And the hallmarks of this domain are monstrous leaders, family intrigue, and a war-torn nation. Two factions struggle to lay claim to Kalakari's sapphire throne. The soldiers and loyalists of Maharani Ramya and the nobles and merchants who support the younger royal siblings. So this seems to be a whole lot of kind of sneaky, war-torn assassin level stuff here. I really like that. I like that feel. So there are a couple of traitors here. Uh, Erejani is the charming face of the resistance for all who oppose Ramya's control of the Sapphire Throne. And he was killed and reborn as a Rakshasa. Oh, cool. Yeah, he works with his sister, Riva. After her murder, she was reborn as an Arcanoloth. Cool. You so can, there's like a little uh, brother-sister team that are like a oh, this one cat has, fiend and a, and a dog fiend. This one has the renown system in it as well. Oh. As well as which um, faction you would uh, you would get renown in. I'm happy that they're pulling that out of... Yeah, it's cool that they're bringing that section. I hope we get a sanity one. Maybe even a piety one from Theros. Sure. Um, and then there's Kartakas, the domain of tarnished dreams. This is... Uh, it just has a mirror. Oh, fuck. Um, this is the uh, Dark Lord here is Harkon Lucas. Dark fantasy and gothic horror. The hallmarks are hidden identities, dangerous performances, exploitative ambitions... And werewolves. Okay. This one looks to be fairly werewolf centralized. We have, there's no unifying government. Instead, each settlement is governed by a Meistersinger who is acknowledged as the mayor and embodiment of local art. Meistersingers maintain creative rivalries with each other, largely for show. Huh. This is kind of neat. Hey, you want to play an all-barred horror campaign? Guess what? Kind of. It talks about uh, Harkon Lucas himself. He was born amid a community of lycanthropes. He dreamed of commanding not just a pack, but a whole army, a nation, even an empire of born predators. His artwork has him with a fiddle. Huh. It seems he also has a daughter as well in here who's a major player and has a couple of adventure hooks attached to her as well. Okay. You, there's a section here called Bite of the Dark Lord. Hmm. <laughs> Hot. Well, after gaining a measure of the party's confidence or singling out a character as a useful favorite... Harkon Lucas asks his eccentric signature question. May I bite you? And then he takes you to Boner Town. <laughs> He's going to wolf down. Anyways, uh, next on the list here is Lamordia, which is the domain of snow and stitched flesh. 
Um, the Dark Lord is Victra Mordenheim, which Mordenheim is a realm in Warhammer, I think. Mordenheim literally just means uh, realm of the dead. Yeah. Well, uh, as would be expected, the genres here are body horror and gothic horror. Um, and the hallmarks are amoral, science, bizarre constructs, frigid wilderness, and mutagenic radiation. Is this mutants? I I think this is... I, I think it's... Uh, yes, I think it's random... Uh, my words. I think it's random, like, stitched together flesh golems in the frozen north. Like, everything's going to be dark and snowy in this one. Um... It's a frigid land of barren mountains, frozen swamps, and icy seas. Um, yeah, there's steam power driven by boiling sewers, fuels, clockwork inventions, and massive cranes. So this is this is your steampunk. Okay, but steampunk horror. But steampunk horror, yeah. Um, there's the town of Ludendorff, New Frechtenberg. Uh, very German, yes. Very German, yes. Uh, Schlossachbrecher and Schlossmorgenheim. Good lord. Yep. There's also the sleeping beast. You're not allowed to DM this one. No. Uh, Victra Mordenheim is a... Um, it. No, what? Victor Mordenheim is your Dr. Frankenstein. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Gives you temp- tips on playing Dr. Mordenheim, including the adventures in there. There's a picture of Baron Rudolf von Ochbrecher, who is a brain in a jar on a torso. Is that a second Rudolph? That's a second Rudolph. All right. This one's Baron Rudolph. Um, there is a D10 list of adventures. Um, new idea for monsters, including flesh golems and stuff like that. Uh, animated armor is going to play on. Next is Mordant. Mordant is the domain of the haunted. Its Dark Lord is Wilfred Godefroy. Um, the genre is ghost stories, and this is ancient ancestral curses, haunted mansions, misshrouded moors, and vengeful spirits. Uh, this is your ghost hunter uh, realm, if you should have one. Um, there is going to be uh, lots of ghosts here, including the Dark Lord himself, who is a ghost with a bunch of other little twists on Can him. Can you spell Morden for me? M-O-R? Yeah. Mordent or Mordenheim? No, no, no. What's this place called? Mordent. M-O-R-D-E-N-T. Oh, I thought it might be uh, M-O-R-D-A-N-T, which means zesty in French, according to Doritos bags. Oh, okay. This is this is not the zesty domain? This is not the zesty domain. I However, am disappointed. Van Richten does own a herbalist shop in this one, so you'll probably come oh. into contact with Van Richten here. Um, there are several adventures here, including... Um, all who die in Mordent become captives to the will of Lord Wilfred Godefrey. Godefroy. Godefrey. Godefredekert. So there is uh, rules on the haunting of Mordent, including uh, history and uh, tragic and romance elements for your ghosts, which is fun. Yep. You want to build uh, unique ghosts. Puts that all together. Uh, next is Richa, Richa Mulot. Richa Mulot. Let me see. I think it's, it's Richa Mulot. Richa Mulot. Uh, the domain of D, disease, isolation, and were rats. Okay. Okay, okay. 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 Dark Lord is Jacqueline uh, Renier. 
Uh, is it all French names? It's all French names. Jacqueline René. There you go. Um, the genres are disaster horror and. Oh my god! Do not <laughs> do that. You just sound like Terry. Just fucking shat. Oh, then I've then I've done my job for this episode. You're welcome, Terry. Um, so, uh, disaster horror and gothic horror hallmarks uh, of the domain of disease are contagion, crumbling infrastructure, martial law, rats and vermin, and were rats. Friends, give the world some time to recover before you play this one. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we got a gnawing plague, or simply known as COVID, I mean the gnaws, um, which is basically turning people into were rats. Pay no mind to cool. the nozzle. Jacqueline René is a were rat uh, who has some control over this area. There's a bunch of Richelamont, uh adventures, inclu- including... Uh, details on how to run the gnawing plague. Um, the there are certain wow, there's a lot. Um, the cycle of the plague it's an ever present thing. So depending on when you're here, the plague will be at a certain cycle, and then there are unique encounters for each cycle. Okay. Uh, the four sti- uh, cycles are threat, outbreak, illness, and pestilence. I'm legitimately going to run a plague now. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, next, we have temp, uh, Tepest, which is the domain of nature's cruel secrets. The Dark Lord is Mother Lorinda, who's totally not a hag. She is. Um, the genre is folk horror, and the hallmarks are fey bargains, nature worship, rural festivals, and secret sacrifices. Um, this one's my jam. I'm, I'm, I'm all on board with this one. If there's a hag involved, you might need some jelly. It looks like a wild land. The Arken Heights and the Vichfold Mountains are present here. Cool. Mother Lorin, uh, Lorinda and her and her two sisters. So there's three here who are the Mindefisk sisters are all green hags. Hey. Um, there's rules for adventurers. Victal and the Tithe, those who come to Tepest, inevitably arrive at the Domain's lone surviving settlement, Victal. There they find welcoming people, warm food, and beds in an unsettling sense that the daily life and traditions of the villagers conceal horrible secrets. So there's going to be some very much like uh, bright veneer with deep, dark undertones you'll be running with this one. Cool. Um, The next domain is Valachan, which is the domain of the hunter. Is the Dark Lord Chakuna. The genres are gothic horror and slasher horror. This is the first time we've seen slasher so far. The hallmarks of this domain are diabolical traps, hostile wilderness, and survival games. This is going to be Jason Voorhees running through the woods level stuff. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, you're going to get it says the mist talismans. There's been a mist talismans for all of these. This is displacer beast skin, poisonous flower blossom, and rusty foot trap. This is your cabin in the woods. No, I don't think so. I think this is your, this is a were-tiger who will hunt you down. There's a trial of hearts. There's rules for the trial. And sure enough, there she is with her displacer beast. Oh, it's a a female were-tiger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is hunting you down. There are different hunt complications on a d20 chart. Um, And then it gets into the other domains of dread. Which is just a list of them? How is that working? So each of the rest of them seem to just get really one large paragraph that takes up about a quarter of a page. It gives you a Dark Lord and then a couple of hallmarks of it and a quick breakdown. There's a D100 chart at the beginning 
um, which means that you can roll which ones you'd like. The ones that have asterisks are um, the ones with the big breakdowns, but then there are a lot of other ones that are here as well. We've got one. I'm going to give you the hallmarks because yeah, okay. the names are just going to be a long freaking list. All right. There's, uh, the first one is the escape from disaster with a lightning rail. Okay. The next one is life and death and strange invention. The one after that is cursed art and a dour population. Then you have corrupt theocracy, false deity, one for bad parents and possessed children. Oh. One for a banshee and a silent village. There's impending doom and surreal environment in Clore. Uh, Markovia gives us depraved science and sapient animals. I feel like that's Islander Dr. Moreau. Um, there's nightmares and recurring dreams in the Nightmare Lands, who's run by their Dark Lord is actually the Nightmare Court. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, the next one is uh, the hallmarks are asceticism, brainwashing, and shadows. Oh. Then you've got one for nomadic riders and transformation, one for evil toys in a village of children. There's one for a haunted bridge and a murderous legend, uh, misdirection and ventriloquism. Reality manipulating theater, island domains, and nautical horror. So that'll be your pirate one. Yep. That one actually has a much larger breakdown than the others. One called The Shadowlands, which is about falls from grace and heroic sacrifice, imprisonment and swamp magic, endless warfare repeating history, undead military dictatorship, um, detective work and memory loss. Okay. Serial murderers and urban decay. And then it gives you kind of a breakdown of like, what to do with travelers in the mist. And, and like people you encounter in the mist? It looks like it. Yeah. So there's keepers of the feather, which seem to be uh, related to were ravens, uh, and gives you a whole bunch of different keeper adventures. There's different societies. There are rookeries. So that. Are, are, are they with uh, the Raven Queen then? If they're with were ravens, which are good, right? Yeah, they are. But it seems to be. These are the people that navigate the mists because the next entry is the Vistani. These seem to be the allies that are out and around uh, okay. that will help you through. Okay, so yeah, cool. I like that. They're like uh, secret societies. Yep, and then you get other ones um, with actual um, – you have other groups. You know, there's uh, Church of Ezra, the Circle, the Kargat, and the Kargatain, the Order of the Guardians. So there's a lot of other stuff that's out there. There are specific solo mist wanderers, uh, Alanic Ray and Arthur Sedgwick. Uh, travel together. There's Ez Davenir, who was the cover, cover art. art Erasmus right? Van Richten. Yes. So, like, there are a number that I'm just going to just blow past because it, they each get an ideal, a bond, and a flaw. They give you a brief breakdown of who they are and then what adventures with this person would be. And they each get a breakdown. For example, uh, this one, Larissa Snowmane, is a human druid with exceptional sight into navigating the waterways of the mists. Okay. All right. So, and there are quite a few of them, uh, including Rudolf Van Richten. So next we're at chapter four. Um, this is where it's going to give you as a DM tips to run your horror campaigns, um, including tips to understand horror, how to set expectations. Um, and uh, it'll have the, Session zero questions, which I really like, of uh, content and themes that you ask your party of things you can avoid. Okay? That's good. I'm glad that this is included. Here. Yeah. Um, included are going to be things like general phobias and fears, uh, romantic in-character dialogue, that level stuff. So it actually is kind of breaking down what a 
Session, session zero, zero should, should cover, be, yeah, right? right? Okay. Uh, and actually, it literally says session zero. There we go. Good. Hey, there we go. Um, and is going to give you some advice on how to run a session zero, including uh, establishing boundaries and reinforcing expectations. Sure. We've had episode on a session zero. Yeah. Episode nine, which uh, which we did about role playing at the table and, and whatnot, is uh, we covered this in detail. I'm glad to see that they're jumping on here that Wizards is really... It's, it's something that they've needed to have done for a while now. I feel like it should be at the front of the book. Yeah, it's weird that it's, you know, over here in, like, page 180. Well, I guess that the first one is kind of a Welcome to Ravenloft. Chapter 2 is Players. And then the different domains, the set piece. I feel like this should have been beforehand. But then again, your adventuring rules and whatnot are long after how to build a character. So... I think they just want to get all the stuff for the majority of the people around the table out of the way first. And then they'll give they'll the DMs... They'll focus on the DM. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, because the next section here is running a horror game, including how to establish uh, atmosphere, accessibility, um, and... Do you think they listen what, to our horror episodes? I hope so. Um, inclu- oh, next you also have uh, tips on horror pacing, in which it talks about logistics, undermine reality, um, idle uneasiness, out of time, parallel scenes, reliability and trust, giving just enough hope, and ending on cliffhangers. Giving just enough hope. Just enough. Fear without hope tempts paralysis and end apathy. Right? So all of this stuff could be used with just normal storytelling. Doesn't necessarily need to be this, horror. It's got this some helps. good shit in this yeah. book. Um, this also descri- give, gives you uh, tips on how to describe horror as it's happening. And how to uh, subvert cliches when it comes to horror gameplay. Um they're doing a lot of work uh, in the prepping your players and helping them come down from the fear and the horror at the end of the session as well. That's also covered here. Okay. Next is going to give you rules on the Taroka deck and the spirit board, which is your tarot and uh, Ouija board, as well as uh, um, some rules on curses, including the components, the layings of them. Oh, thank God. Some Finally. sample curses, the burdens that the curse comes. Finally. And this is coming with some, the victim gains three levels of exhaustion that can't be removed while the curse endures. Good, good. Like some level, this is uh, part of the section called the horror toolkit. All right, what other what other tools are in the toolkit? Lots of news on curses, uh, fears and stress. Sure. Um, including how to lay the seeds of fear, uh, haunted traps. I like that. Including some, um, it gives you haunt bonus on your traps here, uh, which will help you out and gives a few good examples of haunts as well as uh, survivors, uh, which are pre-made characters that are simple and easy for players to master while being customizable enough to fill broad roles in your adventures, blah, blah, blah. Um, it gives you rules on how to customize and create survivors in your realm and how to fit them in with the mists and all the other freaky sure. dicky shit okay. that's going on right now. It also gives you templates and talents for these, um, survivors. So if you want to play one, there are some legit feats here, which are basically what these are, except they're added, added traits that you would get at second and third level. Okay. Okay. Finally, it's going to give you the stat blocks of the Apprentice, Disciple, Sneak, and Squire, which are the sample uh, stat blocks to use for your survivors. 
so next is the adventure, which is the House of Lament, which is an adventure for a party of four to six first level characters who will adv- advance to at least third level by the adventure's completion. It sounds like Death House, but a different kind of Death House. Uh, looks like it is a full on like Death House was a small thing. This is Death, House, Death House was one to three. Okay, then yeah, Hauntings of Helvrest House. Is are Rose and Thorn in this one as well? Those are the two little NPC children. Um, they were the only NPCs. In no, okay. no, there are other ones here. So I'll just read the adventure summary for this, and then we'll move past. Basically, characters arrive at the House of Lament after a mysterious message leads them into the mists. Does it say what the message is? It gives you options on how you got the message, and there are several different options for the message, including some rules for seances. Oh, neat. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, the, it sounds like it's a haunted house. It it is very much a haunted house. Yeah, but there's a full on uh, guide to it. Um, there's some unique enemies in there. There's some unique enemies. This, and looks, it's, like, this looks like it's an actual adventure. Yep. Um, there is an arm in a bag. I I honestly think that this looks like it's uh, like Krenko's Way was in um, the Ravnica book. And um, like every one of these campaign settings has a small little adventure as a part of it. Um, really low level tends to be. So I'm glad that they're continuing to do that. Cool. And then it brings us to the Monsters of Ravenloft which is chapter five. Um, There are six simple techniques that can transform a stat block straight out of the monster manual or another source into a horror to haunt your character's dreams. So they give you the, uh, the idea of that. They've been reinforcing this entire time of here's a stat block. Here's how to make it horror. Right. So there's the monstrous origins, which uh, means that they can be, Every bit as unique as player characters. Notorious monsters, which are more frightening when their reputation precedes them. Uh, describing monsters, give yourself permission to dwell on a monster's description. Monstrous tactics. So these are monsters that fight dirty or in a particularly fearsome way. Um, monstrous traits. Simple tweaks to a monster stat block can enhance its horror. And monstrous minions. Simple traits can reflect a monster's relationship to the evil master it serves. So this is actually... How to adapt. You do these six steps to adapt any single monster. Cool. Then there's also, when that's all done, uh, an area for creating unique nightmares. That's some creepy artwork. Um, Beware the Bagman, which is an urban legend about an adventurer who sought to escape doom by abandoning his party and hiding inside a bag of holding. When he tried to leave, though, he became lost amid a constantly increasing number of extra-dimensional storage spaces. Over time, the strange forces of this magical in-between place transform the adventure into a monstrous creature. Dear and, dear my players, guess what? Yeah, you fucked. <laughs> um, and then it gives you a number of different monsters. Uh, there's a wonderful table, creatures by challenge rating. Thank you. Goes from CR 1 8th up to CR 21. Oh. Oh. We've got a couple of plants, which is nice. Something called the boneless, which is just gross, looks like. Looks like walking flesh without bones. What's the difference between that and a Lemur? Uh, Lemur is melted flesh. It'll still have a skeleton inside of it. Oh, okay. These things look like... Uh, not all inanimate corpses shamble from their graves. Boneless are undead remains of de- undead remains devoid of skeletons. Oh, this is the one thing that I saw. Um, people have been pairing these with skeletons because of their challenge rating. Challenge rating one. So. Where, where 
uh, they have a undead creature come up to them and it is a boneless pulling itself off of a skeleton and now you have to fight a skeleton and a boneless. All right. So, Dan, we saw this in Candlekeep. Fifth edition has changed. Okay. We're getting a proficiency bonus in the stat block. There is no alignment and spell casting is part of the actions. Okay. We get brain in a jar as well, which is a small undead. Um, a carrion stalker, which would be, which is a challenge rating three. Um, a a carrionette, which is a small construct instead of a marionette. Okay, a, yeah. Um, and then it looks like we have a uh, headless horseman. Something about headless hunts in this section. We've got ooh a CR six, what looks like a reaper, like a oh. grim reaper. Okay. Uh, we have oh here's they actually gave us a stat block for the Jiangxi. Okay. Which is good. It's a CR nine. Holy shit. That'll mess up your party. Yep, the Loop Guru possesses a strange Oh, Loop of like, Gurus are in here. Cool. Like canthropy, more virulent than that carried by common werewolves. Uh, loop Gurus are, uh, I believe they're Native American inspired. Okay. They're, they're an actual creature of folklore. Yep, we've got the, necro- the Necrocore is a being of living blood. Cool. I think it's, I think it's Necrocore. Anyway, we have Nosferatu's. Ah, oh, yay! CR8. Oh, the one, one of the things they can do is a blood disgorge. They vomit blood in a 15-foot cone. Yay! Priests of Ossibus, which are, looks like... Egyptian? Real, real, no, really creepy cultists. They're using soul power. Okay. And malevolent magic. Cool. They use soul tattoos to conjure undead servants and escape death's grip. Can I get a soul tattoo on my next character? As well as you get boons of undeath in here. Cool. When it drops to zero hit points, the priest might revive with a benefit from the boons of the undeath table, as explained in the stat block. A relentless slasher, which reminds me, it's just probably a pyramid head from Silent Hill kind of ripoff, except it doesn't have a pyramid head. It looks like a giant bird. Yeah, like a like a raven head almost. Um, but they've got relentless slasher and a relentless juggernaut. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. These are hateful, revenge-obsessed creatures that enter into packs with fiends or other nefarious entities. Cool. Star spawn emissary. All good. I'm, I I like that we're getting more star spawn. Which is a CR 19 and the greater star spawn emissary, which is CR 21. Strigoi. Oh, Dan. Yeah. These are sturges. Those are undead sturges? These are medium. No, medium sturges. I'm sorry. What? Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. These, I'm wrong. The first Strigoi were created by spellcasters who subjected swarms of Sturges to transmutation spells. Good. These things have... Good. Hey, wizards? They can magic- Could you not? They can magically <laughs> command any Sturge within 120 feet. Oh, fuck. Guess what you'll be facing? No! Guys? Swarm of maggots, swarm of scarabs. We've got some inquisitors, um, some unspeakable horrors. That's just nuts. So there are some inquisitors, um, which are psychically gifted. Nope. Which are part of the Olmist Inquisition, an order of psychonic inquisitors that seek to discover the wickedness hiding in people's souls. Oh, so these are kind of like a cult, just a lawful neutral cult. I'd love it if they would give me a goddamn alignment. Then there are unspeakable horrors, which is just aberration nonsense. They look super freaky. CR8, you customize them with different... uh, D4 tables for body composition, hex blast, limbs. Then you get a vampiric mind flare. <laughs> Wait, how is that any different from a normal mind flare? 
This one will eat your brain and drink your blood? Oh, here we go. They give us a breakdown of uh, were-ravens, including were-raven lycanthropy. Oh, okay. Actually, this might just be... A reprint? This might just be a reprint of the one that we already covered in our lycanthropy episode, our second one. Then there's the swarm of zombie limbs, the zombie clot. That's gross. Um, a D4 table for zombie apocalypses. Huh. Um, and zombie plague spreader. And then, of course, you get the spirit board at the end, which looks like a unique kind of... Um, Ouija board. Of Ouija board. Obviously, you're not supposed to use this. This is just fun artwork. You could probably make your own. Cool. So, Dan, grab your die. I want to know your overall impressions. I got an at 20. I got three. I like this book. I like it a lot. As a horror fan, this scratches a lot of itches. However, I've got a lot of DM work to do with it. This starts my path, but does not finish it by any means. There are a lot of tools for new DMs to use when they are trying to do a new horror campaign. I would have loved to have had a book that includes this chapter four Mm -hmm. when I was starting off as a DM. Um, uh, The monsters are fun and flavorful. There's not enough of them for me, but I always want more monsters. Yeah, there's never enough. No, um, that's perfectly fine. Just give me a monster manual too, please. Yeah. Um, But this was not... This was not Curse of Strahd point two. No, no, it wasn't. It, it was barely mentioned Strahd. I know that he's on the cover art because, of course, he is. He's a selling feature. He's their celebrity in fifth edition, right? Yeah. It's like you slap Matt Mercer's name all over the Wildmount book, right? Like they even have artwork of him yes. in it, right? Yeah. So I, I don't begrudge them that by any means. The Guide to Ravenloft is a bit of a misnomer, I feel. But what else are you going to call it? This Shadowfell it should Pocket be the guide. Dimensions? Yeah, right? right. But it's not even a guide to the Shadowfell. right? These are the weird little corners of the Shadowfell. The Shadowfell is its own still unique, weird thing beyond it, this. Yeah, the, these are the uh, planes that are not uh, echoes, right? Because the Shadowfell is an echo plane. So this is... These are the demi-planes that are off of the echo plane. Like, yeah. And I'm fine with that. It's just a weird name. Like, it, I feel like it was misrepresented. I would have liked to have seen them uh, define the Shadowfell a bit better because that seems like where they kind of, like... Just give us a manual of the planes. Only. Yes, yeah, just do that. That that would be make me happy. But that's not what this book was designed to do. No. And so, as much as I want that, I'm not going to fault this book for it. What did it what did it give us that we really liked? I really like the fact that a lot of these little uh demiplanes uh f- are functionally mini adventure arcs. Yeah. Right? They're not fully flesh campaigns. There's not they're not anything like that. They are hey guys, for the next six sessions we are going to be doing this thing, right? Um or it's pure inspiration. Or yeah. you can plug any one of these little demiplanes into any campaign you want to stall out, hey, you know what? Terry's going to be out of town. He's vacationing for the next six weeks or whatever. So we're going to keep playing while Brad works nights and can't join us in our campaign. So we're going to take a jaunt off into this demiplane. We'll keep the same characters. Yeah. But we're going to pause the overall storyline to play over here for a bit. Yeah. I, I really think, and they did that well. I think they were trying to do that with Candlekeep. And it didn't work. And it didn't work. It works here. Right. Yeah, it's because Candlekeep was plot by plot adventures, and this is setting by setting inspiration. Yeah, that's got to be the difference, right? And and I mean, 
they're giving you plot ideas with the settings, but they are primarily settings, right? They're full on flavorful jaunts into weirdness. And I, I'm I'm a hundred percent. I, I, I like this far more than Candlekeep. I feel far more satisfied with this than Candlekeep. I'm liking the fact that this isn't Strahd 2.0. Um, I like the... For somebody who likes horror and is a horror fan, being able to put D&D 5e, which has a reputation as being a game that is weak when it comes to horror, to have resources now that could help you with that, I think are is vastly... Um, more helpful than I thought this book would be. I love this as a tool for Dungeon Masters. As yes. a DM, fuck, buy this book. I love this book as a tool. This is not my first three purchases, but it's probably up there. It, it's in the it's in the top it's eight. Yeah, I like honestly, it's pretty high up there because I'm a horror fan. Yeah. But for players, I don't like the Wizards of the Coast. And I mean, it, it, TSR did this too. They released a new book. And the book has a couple of player options and a bunch of DM stuff and then a couple of items and they sprinkle a little bit through it so that everyone has to buy the book. Yeah. I wish they would release Eberron, Ravnica, Theros, Wildmount, Ravenloft, Sword Coast Adventures Guide, and then the Player's Handbook 2 with a little section under all of these different subclasses. This one fits with this setting. You can put it anywhere, but it was inspired by this. Players don't need to buy this book. You're going to buy it for two subclasses and three races, three race options, and then backgrounds. Players shouldn't buy this book, but they're going to be excited to pick it up. But there's nothing in here for mm-hmm. them, yeah. right? They, it's it's a decent enough idea. I wanted, I would hand this out as a DM. I'm buying this book and giving it to my players to say, everybody read chapter one. Yeah, this is a one per table. Yeah, but I feel like, oh man, my my character building session everybody come together on friday night we're going to build characters everyone's going to be passing this book around but nobody needs to go spend the 60 fucking dollars on it yeah yeah. right for what it offers to players it's not enough it's too light there should have been five or six more subclasses or or race i mean they they have a tendency to only give us two subclasses at a time per book and then you know three years down the line they'll put them all together in a compendium of some sort, right? Yeah, I I know. And it just, it sucks that they do it that way. Look what they did with Tasha's, right? That's basically what Tasha's was. Well, Tasha's was the Artificer and Skag, plus some new stuff, right? Yeah. Um, But there's still a lot of stuff in Sword Coast Adventures guy that did not make it into Tasha's, right? The, like, um, the uh, Arcana domain for clerics didn't make it into Tasha's, right? The Purple Dragon Knight, but nobody cares! Right, <coughs> um, and uh, well, the battle rager. What what was the yeah battle rager? The dwarven yeah barbarian. Right, that stuff didn't make it into Tasha's. Um, I just it doesn't feel like enough for players. As a dungeon master, I love this book. As a fan of D and D, I love this book. As a fan of horror, I love this book. As a player, this feels like a like a D and D Beyond purchase. Someone else buy it. I'm gonna borrow it for a weekend. Um, honestly, I, I think as a player, you don't buy this book at all. Um, that, that's what I mean. Like this is a lend. Yeah. Well, it, it, this is a go to Google, right. And figure out what the subclass is. I don't want to, you know, sell that, but there's not enough in here. I agree with you, but this book isn't a player's book. It just isn't. It is for DMs. Right. And you see that with the 
uh, Van Richten's guide. The race options in this are, hey, if something happens to your character, um, you can have this kind of template thing that changes what your character could do, whether you're a Dampier or a Hexblood, right? Yeah, and I, I like that. That's neat. I'd like to see three or four more of those. Give me a Lycanthrope one. Yeah. I, it's weird that we got a Hex one, but not a Lycanthrope one. I think it's because Lycanthropy can be undone. Okay. I'd have to look into the Hexblood. Like, I, I don't know enough about it. But honestly, I uh, I don't hate any detail in this book. Neither do I. I'm okay with the dark powers being shadowy figures. I don't need anything more than that. That's what I think a lot of gods should be. It's weird that they stat they they don't stat them out, but they nearly stat them out. They've statted out demon lords and stuff like that, and I think they're those are kind of on par on level wise. So, but when you're dealing with the Shadowfell, which is all about deceit and mystery and and what happens in the mists, having the gods here be unknown suits me. I like that. Leave it alone. Yeah, I like that the dark lords give you enough to build it yourself. You'll notice that there's not a single um, challenge rating requirement on any one of these realms, these dark domains, which means I can take my Archmage uh, stat block and give him as many items as I need to be able to go toe-to-toe with whatever party shows up. Yeah. If they just statted him out, that means that I'm never going to be able to use Darkon, for example, for my level four party because everything is CR 17. Sure. Or I can't. Or it's all CR4, so why would I bother to go there when I've got a level 15 party, right? I think it's better that they made it this way, despite all of the bitching on Reddit. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I don't think... I mean, like I said at the beginning of this episode, my experience with this has been willfully ignorant. So I, I, I've been avoiding Reddit because of it. Hearing that people are bitching about that, they're not putting enough thought into how beneficial the theory of this is. Right. The the um, like we saw with Candle Keep changing the stat blocks, we're seeing them change how they are presenting uh, big, bad, evil guys that we're seeing the way uh, that they want to change how they show us monsters by showing us it's this stat with this, these things. Right. Um, you said that, you know, it would be great if they gave us alignments. Now, nah, it's clear to me that they're doing away with alignments. Yes, I am aware of that. But I don't want to have to read two pages of flavor text to figure out if these are good guys or bad guys. Well, the thing is, a lot of people just were, and, and this is a problem. A lot of people weren't reading the uh, flavor text to generate what that uh, opinion is. I mean, look at the amount of stuff we discovered in goblins and orcs and gnolls in the mob mentality episodes we've done, right? All of the new information we discovered of iconic in every single table uh, races and mob and mob monsters, right? throwing out new things people aren't reading those blurbs as much they're going to read the stat blocks first and taking away the alignments and giving us proficiency makes the uh them more situationally applicable depending on where you need that kind of stat block in your campaign as a lazy dm i like it you want to know what i want more more than the fine you're right flavor Give me an ally, neutral, or enemy signifier. Ah. Right? It tends to be this. You don't have to use it, but the the idea of a merchant is neutral, a fiend is an enemy, and a celestial is usually an ally. You do whatever you want with it. Here's the flavor text of it. But I can, at a glance, 
flip through and see that, oh, this name is in bright blue. It's an ally. It's in dark red. It's an enemy, right? Some way for me as a dungeon master to not have to read every freaking page of a monster manual to know what kind of NPC I want to bring in next. Yeah. It's just something that I would like to see them figure out how to do. If you're not going to use alignments to help us figure out how to run it. And how many times has Terry said, well, obviously this thing is chaotic good. So therefore I would think about it from this perspective. It is a tool to figure this shit out. I don't like that they're stepping away from it. I think that they should just have a great big thing at the beginning. Asterix alignments are suggestions. Yeah, that's it. And then what you do is you take uh, take the alignment section out of the playable races. Don't take it out of the monster manual. I'm no, I'm 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 with you on that one. What they could do for us is better define what the alignments are and have them exclusively a monster thing. I'm with you on that. Sure. Okay. So we've gone off topic now. Back to Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft, and again, them changing the stat blocks irks me. But it's not a this book problem. It's, that's a fifth ed problem. Yeah, yeah. So how do we feel about this? Let's roll one last time for our letter grade. A natural one. Dan, we're going to work on you and your dice. I'm really torn on this. I Really? really? Yeah, I really don't know. From a player standpoint, don't buy this book. It comes in at a C. But from a DM standpoint, this is a solid A for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I don't, and I mean like... There is so much. I will read every page of this book twice. There are so many unique ideas. It doesn't even have to be horror. There's just some intrigue level stuff in here. The different houses and how they'll interact in certain areas and different ways to think about different challenges and themes. Yeah. Um, honestly, I I put this book as a universal general B. Mostly because some of the options for uh, filling out your backstory, as well as your uh, the the um, hauntings that your character's been through or has experienced, plus plus some of the other um, options for uh, weird um, locations your character's been or, or political interactions and how to work with those. All of that in here is great. I love that, and it is useful for everybody. Um, it is definitely DM weighted. I think there should be at least one of these at every table. Um, maybe not more, but when it comes to Volos or uh, Mordenkainen's, I'm not expecting players to buy those two books either. Right? There's some there's some race options there, sure, but there's they are less for um, uh, players than for DMs, anyways. So this goes up with Volos and Mordenkainen's to me, right? I'm just stacking this up against Eberron, which, in my opinion, might be the best book released, short of the core. Okay. Um, but that's just me. Um, I'm stacking it up against Ravnica, which was so good. Mm-hmm. I have weird mixed feelings about Theros. I haven't even bothered with Wildmount, because I'm not a critical role person. Yeah. Right? This sits way higher than Theros for me. Um it's it's higher for Theros with me as well because of the tools it gives you to play horror, which has been something that 5e has been lacking. This fills a need, which is something I was worried it wouldn't. I thought this would be pandering, and it isn't. This actually fills a need. It's just, I'm not lining it up with um, Eberron, Ravnica, Theros. I'm, I'm lining it up with Volos and Mordenkainen. But it's not a, it's not a Volos and Mordenkainen. Volos and Mordenkainen are monster manuals. 
This Vol- is a campaign setting. Uh, I, no, I no, I, I don't even think this is a campaign setting per se. This gives you a variety of campaign settings to run horror tropes. This is a horror book that just so happens to give you examples. That's what this is to me. Uh, it's you see in like Volos how Volos breaks down full monster cultures and stat blocks. Uh, Mordenkainen's does the same thing, like breaks down the ecology of mind flayer colonies, right? That's that that would go along with it as well. That's why I'm putting this book next to Volos and Mordenkainen's, uh, not next to Eberron's and those, because Eberron is going to, um, decisions of this one political structure is going to impact the entire campaign. You want to know, whereas that's okay. not going to be uh, a thing here. All right. You want to know the difference? Candlekeep was a bunch of modular little storylines instead of a story arc like we usually get in one of these adventure paths. Yeah. This is modular campaign setting the way that Candlekeep was modular adventure. Adventure. I don't mind that. I like it. It I'm still putting it next to my my um campaign settings like that's where this belongs for me, but as a result, I'm going to call this a B+. Okay. Right. I, it would be an A if if it was focused directly on one thing or another. But they're just if you're a fan of Ravenloft, you're gonna pick it up, whether or not you're a player. Yep. The and that's the same for Eberron in my head. Dungeon Masters should pick this up. Yes, I agree. Um short of as short of if you are playing the happy go lucky, everything's bright, like uh, sparkly and bright uh campaigns like if you're playing that level of high fantasy campaign maybe don't pick this up but that even those campaigns should have aspects of horror in them and this will help you work within that gradient yeah i really i really really enjoy this i can't wait to sink my teeth into it so that's it for this episode on van richten's guide to ravenloft you can find us on itunes spotify and youtube as well as dozens of other podcast apps you can also email us at info at itsamimic.com or head over to www.itsamimic.com and support us by hitting that donate button or buying some fun merch. After all, these books aren't cheap. Thank you for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast and make sure to check out more Legend Lore episodes as we cover new releases as they happen, as well as some of the previously published 5e books. Thank you.